This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Featuring the best of the best from today's conversations, observations, and ruminations. Because great radio is still fresh the second time around. Earlier today on the Mac and Bone Show. in enough games that you have a ding here, a ding there, you know, I don't overreact to, you know, something. First, I got to find out what's the severity of it or if a guy gets something, you know, well, exactly, you know, where are we at on that? So I just don't overreact to those things. It's, it's a next man up mentality. Greg, welcome aboard 7 o'clockers. Frank, not uh, overreacting to the DJ Chark injury. And I guess, like, you don't want your coaches freaking out. Oh, my God, we got another wide receiver injury. Ah! Like, you don't want that. But we can do <laughs> That's that. That's why you're not a head coach, Mac. Yes, but we can do that. Mac would say, <laughs> look, uh, we hope he comes back, but he may never come back, and we're all paranoid about it. We're all screwed, everybody. <laughs> the rest of these receivers are booty. All right. Here's, here's, oh. here's Mac. Next question. <laughs> so, like, he, he has to keep that steely resolve, right? The coaches have to keep that steely resolve. The next man up saying that he dropped in there. But we are free bone to freak out if we want to as fans. We are free. Lord knows we all have done it. Right from time to time, see the text line during the preseason games to see some fan freak out. That's not that's not a freak out. That's utter absolute panic. <laughs> so some people bones seem a little more freaked out than we are about the injuries. Don't get me wrong; like it is not ideal to have because because my whole thing about the receiving core was well, it's it's a good bit deeper than last year. It may not have the number one like we had in DJ Moore, but it's deeper. But when you have injuries to four of your top seven guys going into camp at that position, all of a sudden your depth is gone by the wayside. Now, again, Demir Bird's the only one that is long-term. That looks like that's for the season. But, you know, now you throw in Shark with a hamstring injury. Then I guess Joe Person, Will Kunkel, and others are saying, hey, they're here and it's not too severe. TMJ sounds like his injury was a three-week one bone. We're about a week into it or so. And then um, you have Chenault's concussion. Yeah, the concussion this week. And... You know, those those kind of depend on, you know, the severity of a concussion. But these are all three injuries where the guys can be back. This is definitely not a freak-out situation because they all sound like short-term injuries. Does it concern you, though? Like, if you're just waking up, you're joining the show. We talked about this a little bit in the first hour, too. But if you're a Panther fan, like, does this stuff worry you at all? Like, does it worry you, Bone, or is it like, hey, man, these are short-term injuries. Everybody settle the hell down. I like, would, what, I would you consider at? it a reason for concern without outright panicking over the whole situation. And we talked about it hour number one. Here's the reasons why it should be at least a worry. It's the timing of the injuries. We're not even full go into the season, and we've got guys already having injury problems all throughout the roster. That, to me, that's a legit worry that guys are already having these things that may not be something that bothers them two months from now, but it's already something that they're dealing with now. So that's a worry, and it's the guys met that have been injured so far, mainly Chark and Marshall. Because what are two of the biggest questions about DJ Chark and Terrace Marshall Jr.? It's their bodies. 
Marshall year one didn't get off to a good start. His body, then his first year, gave out on him. Training camp last year, slow start. It took him a while to get going. His body was a concern. Chark, the biggest question is, can he stay healthy? And the fact that Marshall and Chark already have stuff going on, that doesn't help with the narrative of their bodies no. not holding up for a full season. No, it doesn't help my, uh, my, my mental state either. You know what I mean? Like... <laughs> About these guys, because yes, that's what I was worried about with with both of those fellas. Is can they stay healthy? I'm worried about with Thielen too. And knock on Woods, I'm not going to try Matt Curse Adam Thielen, but you know that's another one that we're worried about. TFB brings up an interesting point, Bone. Now TFB can get stressed. He can get a little stress, Bone, about the about Panther football. He hasn't he, slept in three years. He brings up a good point. It's a fair point. He says new offense, rookie QB, new QB. You probably want them to all get as many reps as they can before the season. That's a fair point, too. Like, this stuff is far from ideal. It's far from freak-out territory, but it's far from ideal. It's just another thing that this offense faces as they try to hit the ground running. Like, it's another reason to sit here and and wonder, how good is this offense going to be off the rip? You know what I mean? Like, I think after the bye week, I think they can really flow if, they, if they're healthy and stuff. And also, this puts more pressure on Mingo early. You kind of want Mingo to be able to maybe ease in a little bit at the rookie wideout, but if these guys, Mac, are compromised for the beginning of the year, well, you may have to get more out of Mingo right away than you thought you were. I think he's going to be good. I think as the season goes along, Mingo is going to be a, more of a factor week in, week out. But if these guys, Mac, are injured for week one, week two, all of a sudden Mingo moves up a little bit as a rookie. And now you're counting on, on a rookie wideout, and that's more pressure on him than I think we thought. He's number and two. he's the number two receiver right now. Yeah, and when you look at the wideouts on the team, you know, Marshall can go deep, but DJ Chark, man, that's the, that's the main home run threat. That's the big play down the field guy. Other guys I think you can mix and match and sort of figure things out. But if Chark is injured – there's not a lot of options of down the field Bryce Young home run threats. I would Marshall uh, can, but yeah, I would throw. I would say we lost both guys yeah. that are the best because don't forget Terrace Marshall Jr. for the last ten games last year averaged 19 yards a catch, true, best in the NFL. So like, yeah, that, we've lost both guys that you would think are your best deep threats. Shy Smith currently is the number three receiver on this team. Like, I like Shy Smith if he's your sixth receiver on the team. But number three, that's kind of like a role he ended up playing last year I way know. too often. Yeah. So it's again this this uh, these textures are, are are coming with it, Bone. They're coming with some heat. Got a guy that wants to look into adding Antonio Brown, Bone. You interested? I'm sorry, um, Antonio Antonio, the former owner of the uh, <laughs> the Arena League team that was uh, removed. Would he be a good influence on your rookie quarterback and your rookie wide receiver? Could you imagine, Mac? We think the takes are hot from the Lombardis and the Sims right now. Imagine if uh, Uncle Dave goes out there and signs Antonio Brown to help things out. Yeah, we give us some material. I can tell you that. Holy how crap. Long, how long would he last here? Four or five days? Oh, my God. Four or five minutes, maybe? Him and Bryce Young communicating would be an interesting situation. Bryce wouldn't be rattled, though. He, Bryce, would, he, he refused Antonio to be rattled. Brown would give him a document that says, <laughs> I am required to have this many passes thrown my way. Please sign this. Bryce would say, yes, sir, I will. I okay. don't, like, somebody in the first segment brought up, like, Julio Jones is out there. Jamar, Jarvis Landry's out there. I don't feel like it's a real need to bring anybody in because I still think, Bone, all three of these guys, other than Bird, are going to be on the active roster and could be ready. It's just... I don't want to use the word rattle. It doesn't rattle me. 
Not rattled. I don't hope it don't sound rattled. I don't think you're often it's rattled. Just, it's, <laughs> it's just a little concerning, right? A couple guys that have yes. had injury-prone issues, they're hurt. It's They lose reps. It's just a little concerning. Brian says, Mac and Bone are lying to us every day this preseason. <laughs> every time we get bad news or play a bad game, Mac and Bone come on here telling you nothing's wrong. They're like politicians. They're not out for the year, guys. Right? I mean, they're not out for the season. Right? We're telling you that it's not ideal. The timing of right now with the new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, it's all new. It's not ideal timing. That's worrisome. But I'm, why would we go into full fledged panic mode when these guys might be back sooner than we even know? So I, that, that's a wasted energy right now. If there's news that comes out that they're out for a month or into the regular season for a while, yeah. then we got a problem. But we don't, as of right now, I'm counting on these guys to be major factors. We, we, we've said we're concerned. We listed reasons off while we're concerned. Other texters gave up good TFB, had a good reason. Like, I'm not saying I'm not concerned. And that's the thing, too. Like, after the second preseason game, Bone, I said I'm concerned about parts of this offense, right? But there's a difference between concerned and, oh, my God, fire Frank Reich. Like, going full Lombardi. Like, you never want to go full Lombardi. Unless it's Vince, right? <laughs> but that's, like, a, that's a decent Lombardi to go to. People saying, like, Matt Rule's a better coach than Frank Reich. It's like, that. That's y'all are off the deep end. But expressing why you're concerned, and, 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 another, and the reason I'm concerned, Bone, is we open with two divisional games. Huge freaking games, and we open with them. And then after those two divisional games... There's like four games that are, that are pretty darn difficult, too. So that's the thing is anything that puts our offense back, you know what I mean, makes it harder for the offense to reach full potential in that first six weeks is concerning. But it doesn't have to be time to call Julio Jones or Antonio Brown up. Or Jarvis you know? Landry. <laughs> and now if these guys are out for a long, long time, then that changes the discussion. Matt, why don't we give the people what they want? Flounder, make sure this is recording here. Mac, I want you on preseason level 10 panic right now. This is the radio that people must want to hear. All right, Mackers, act like you really like these textures, like you're really concerned. Mac, what's your worry level right now about the injury to DJ Chark? Go on a level 10 now. This is what the people I'm want. I'm devastated. If I would total my car, I'd be less freaked out than this bone. I'm telling you right now, this is horrible. We lost four wide receivers. They might be out for two weeks. It's terrible. The offense in the preseason bone, have you seen it? Oh, my God. It's the worst preseason offense since Clawson. This is horrible. It's time to start talking Hornets, everybody. Uh, or Hurricanes. Mac, I'm, with this latest injury news on DJ Chark's hamstring, I am going to dock my win total. I'm going to go from nine to zero. <laughs> I do not think this team can win a game. Your call, 704-570-9610. Look, if we go to that level now, you and I aren't going to blood pressure wise make it through the season. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna kill over by week number. One. Pace ourselves, folks. Pace ourselves on the panic. All right. You're worried about people out there. I am. Not even you. Think? Not even you this time. Now, <laughs> week one, week two, the discussions and they get more intense and the level of worry it goes up. But people want us, Matt, to light ourselves on fire in August. <laughs> that only happened.
happens once we get to September, y'all. Come on, y'all should know yeah, the give drill. Us, give us a couple days. Uh, that, what did JJ say yesterday? It's scary when Mac is the voice of reason. It's true, though. <laughs> this Folks, is a, settle down. You sound like Willie P. We should, have, <laughs> we should have billboards on 77 right now that says the voice of reason. And just Mac's face. Uh, un, unnamed <laughs> texter says, we got injury-prone receivers. Yeah, that that's that's a concern. And I'm not saying I'm not more concerned, but like this guy says, you guys know it, but you can't say it on the radio. TMJ and Shark will play no more than eight games combined. Can't say it on the radio. What? What? Can't say what? That would that they're gonna, that we know they're going to play no more than eight games. How, combined. how do you know that? See, that's the thing. Y'all take it to the nth degree. Like y'all make these panicky statements. Like we're just simply going to acknowledge, yeah, this isn't ideal. We were worried about their health coming into the season, and this doesn't that, that this doesn't help. I'll just leave it at that. Pfeiffer 12 has a question for Matt to ponder during the break. Flounder, if the wide receiver injuries continue to pile up, do you trade for Jonathan Taylor? How about that, Matt? (laughs) (laughs) They're trying. See, I don't like this. People are trying. Can he he play wide out for us? They're trying to push my man over the edge. Well, if the injuries continue, I hear that they want them to run the triple option moving forward. (laughs) Haven't seen that in a while. Throw some people off. The old Charlotte Catholic running game? Uh, (laughs) My wife don't dress me texted in. Oh, God. Says, if y'all start talking canes, I know it's really over. Yeah, I I, got to be honest. I thought their season starts in April every year. So that was news to me that Bone Bone told me that was an option. (laughs) I did not realize that. Listen to Mac and Bone every weekday morning from 6 to 10. Instant replay continues with more in a moment. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. You're listening to Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Just in case you missed it earlier this week on the Wesson Walker Show. On the Wesson Walker Show. Yes, I said Thursday or Thursday, whichever way you want to say it. But uh, either way, we're getting close to the end of the week, closer to another Panthers game on Friday against the Detroit Lions. Hit us up on the text line, 704-570-9610. Hit that follow button on the social medias. The Wesson Walker page, mainly on Twitter, Bryant underscore 72 HTB underscore Josh and at Walker Mail on Twitter and Instagram and the WFNZ Twitter and Instagram. But now it is time to go to the campus. Kona. All right. Guys, it's looking like this is going to be a thing. The inclusion of Cal, Stanford, and SMU looks like it could be inevitable because it's being discussed yet again. And the inclusion of all three of these schools is being heavily discussed in part because they would come with significant financial concessions from each of the schools according to sources. The conversations within the ACC this week revolved around how that additional money would be distributed among conference members. Small group of ACC presidents met on Wednesday morning to discuss different ways to divide that money. More meetings are expected this week to talk through the various ideas and models, but no determination have been made yet on what that would look like. A vote of 12 of the 15 ACC schools is required to improve the additions. 
and just one new positive vote is needed among the block. Four, North Carolina, North Carolina State, Clemson, and Florida State that has indicated dissent against the move in prior meetings. One vote of those four is needed, assuming all of the yes votes are aligned with the financial model. So... I mean, guys, it feels like to me this thing is happening. I mean, I'm okay with it at this point, especially with the fact that these schools could be coming in with financial concessions and that money will be redistributed to keep some people happy so that they will stop complaining. But what do you guys think about this, starting with Walker? Well, I mean, SMU is begging to be in the ACC with their concessions. Having not anything beneficial to them financially for seven years being a part of the ACC, they're just begging to be a part of what is considered a Power Five conference. And they they just want to be invited to the party, even if they don't get to go home with a gift bag like everybody else. And to me, the reason they're doing that is because SMU is just not enough of a TV draw right now to where it benefits the ACC. It benefits SMU to be a part of the ACC, even if it financially isn't beneficial to them. But, Wes, I think if you're talking about the Atlantic Coast Conference, what is the benefit for them? And I just don't know what the benefit is to include an SMU right now. So, yeah, they can they can have all the concessions in the world. They can say, oh, no, we're good. We don't need this money. I just need to know how beneficial it is to the ACC. And same thing goes to Cal and Stanford. I've mentioned this point a million times. Cal and Stanford tremendous academic schools tremendous in the way that they care about academia more than a lot of the public schools but maybe not as uh, maybe not so far more than duke and wake forest and these other private institutions amidst the acc that want to help a fellow counterpart that want to help a school that hey they're like me they're just out there on the west coast but football wise that's what we care about that's what we're talking about right now I'm not talking about science class. I'm not talking about what the overall GPA is for any of these schools. And we're not doing rank radio discussing what schools are the best when it comes to overall GPA. We're talking about college football. And that is what is the moneymaker here. And so that's, to me, is going to be the reason. Is it beneficial for the ACC to bring in these three schools? And I wonder if they're ever going to focus on that as much as focusing on the academic part of it. And right now, the reason that this thing has life is because of the academic part. And so, you know, Joe obvious told us, right, we shouldn't have any confidence in the decision makers because they're not worried as much about football. And that's the only reason this conversation has life. All right, Fiddy, what do you think about this as an ACC purist? I, I just I don't see how Cal, Stanford and SMU is going to raise the profile of the ACC. This is the problem when you have when you don't have a visionary leading your conference while the sec and the big 10 were gearing up in the arms race jim phillips sat idle and did absolutely nothing no one gives a damn about cal stanford and smu which is why they are in the position where they were they're begging to join the acc and so you want to go ahead and add them i mean go ahead and add them no one cares about the regionality of these conferences anyway, but does it make the conferences standing, does it, does it improve the conferences standing nationally? No, because how many people in California give a damn about ACC sports? How many? Yeah, this is very true. So uh, we talked about the Swamp Kings documentary and we talked about Urban Meyer especially, but I have to agree with him on a point uh, that he brought up. This is something I'm getting tired of as well. The old not playing nobody narrative, especially with teams at the top of college football. Urban Meyer said, quote, I just think the NCAA should mandate scheduling. 
when I see Michigan and Georgia's preseason schedule, I just think with this 12-team playoff, if I'm the head coach at Ohio State, I could care less about my preseason schedule, the non-league schedule, that he told Tim May during their podcast for On3. He said, why would Ohio State play Notre Dame anymore? And so in the article, they point out the fact that Georgia's playing Tennessee Martin, Ball State, and UAB this season to go along with traditional rival Georgia Tech. Ohio State will play Youngstown State and Western Kentucky, but they also have Notre Dame. And then Michigan's got East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green. And I just have to say, even as a Wake Forest fan, the non-conference schedule, Elon, Vanderbilt, and Old Dominion, because Notre Dame I don't count because they're kind of ACC, but Elon, Vanderbilt, and Old Dominion, I'm just not interested in these games. I mean, I would love to see, I believe, the model that Urban talked about. He says, I think you should play a premier school, a middle school, and then you could play a smaller school, he said, but I think there should be some type type of mandate. I agree with this 100%. Yeah, I, the, the only problem is, you know, with some of these other schools that you're talking about, I wonder how much money they're losing out on when among these bigger schools send them a paycheck and those guys get the experience. I totally understand that you want better competition. The other thing is it does take some of the strategy out. Now we're going to have 12 teams that make the college football playoffs, so some of it is pretty negligible, but at the same time, it was interesting to see the strategy, especially we can go to March Madness when college basketball teams didn't have a strong non-conference schedule or when college football teams, they don't have a strong non-conference schedule and then they get left out and then they want to boo-hoo and complain, but they didn't schedule anybody. Sometimes they can point to the fact that nobody wanted to play us. Sometimes. But the other times, they just wanted to have the cupcakes before they actually got into conference play to better their chances of going with a one-loss or two-loss season. So I'm interested to see if the strategy is affected there. But of course, we all want good college football matchups. And if it does does go this way, then what we're going to see is, you know, fairer matchups between some of the powerhouses that you have in college. Yeah, I mean, the fans deserve it. You want to see big matchups to start the season. You don't have to play three powerhouses, but at least give me something, especially when you are at the top of the sport. I would love to see Georgia take on a USC or some type of dream matchup like that. This afternoon on the Wesson Walker Show. Mark Ryan joins us from the Fan Upstate. You can find him on Twitter at Mark Ryan on air, talking about some Clemson football. Joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. Mark, thanks so much for the time, man. How are you? It's fantastic to be with you guys, man. We are raring to go, and let me tell you, some pressure on Dabo Sweeney this year. Man, he's got a good radio voice. Well, yeah, he's a professional, right? You don't <laughs> you don't put your Twitter handle blank on air for nothing. This is, so Mark Ryan on air is going to be the radio professional that he is, and he's already going to a quintessential radio question, bringing up pressure, steering the conversation. That's how you know he's just a fantastic driver. I'll go there. I'll go where you're steering me, Mark. Mark, we've had the pressure conversation quite a bit. We've talked about both coordinators in Wes Goodwin and Garrett Riley. You bring it up on Dabo Sweeney. We can also look at quarterback Cade Klubnick because we haven't had good, really good quarterback play with Clemson since the generational kid and Trevor Lawrence. Out of all those figures I just mentioned, who do you think has the most pressure to perform this year? You know, look, guys, I, I think Cade is under a significant amount of pressure. You know, th th there's a very clear medal stand uh, in terms of Clemson quarterbacks. You got Deshaun Watson as the gold medal winner, Trevor Lawrence as the silver, Taj Boyd as the bronze. In order for Clemson to achieve best is the standard, which is Davo Sweeney's mantra, Cade has got to get onto that medal stand. 
And as you know, they weren't close to that the last couple of years with the mess of a situation known as DJ Uyangalale at that position. Mark, what is your confidence level in Cade Klubnik putting it together this year and getting to that medal you know, stand? It's, it's, it's high because of the belief in Garrett Riley, right? And, and the belief in what Garrett Riley can do with him in that system. We were doing some statistical projections on the show yesterday, guys. And, um, you know, I think Cade Klubnik is, you know, I, I put out there about a 63% completion percentage, 32 touchdowns, 11 picks, a quarterback rating of about 141. Now that would be in between where they were with DJ and where they were with Deshaun and Trevor. And for year one, Cade Klubnik is the full-time starter. That wouldn't be half bad. I would just say it can't be all on him right from the get-go in year one. He also has a penchant for making the, the errant throw or the bad decision, and he's got to get through that this year. In terms of raw ability, in terms of raw talent, he's got significantly more of that than some starters in the NFL today. Mark Ryan joins us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. You can follow him on Twitter or X at Mark Ryan on air. Mark is spelled with a C. And so, Mark, continuing on talking about this offense and Garrett Riley, we know that he's one of the top paid assistants in college football, and you can add your voice to this debate for us. But how much pressure is he under this season when talking about his reputation coming over from TCU, having an explosive offense that is very aggressive and attacks? How much pressure is he under to get this offense back to the levels they once were, where they were around 40 points or over 40 points per game? Well, first of all, Wes, I thank you for mentioning that my name is spelled with a C, even though Marks with a C have 37% less testosterone than Marks with a K. Wow. <laughs> I've somehow, survived. I've somehow survived up until that point. But Garrett Riley, uh, look, uh, he, he was brought here under the cover of darkness, right? They weren't going to make a change from Brandon Streeter last year unless Garrett Riley said yes. In other words, you know, in other words, Brandon Streeter never knew that Clemson was cheating on him with somebody else. Oh. And unless he committed, Streeter would still be here. They got the one guy that they would have made a change for, and now he's here. And, of course, the brother of Lincoln Riley. And we all saw what he did with TCU last year. I don't know if there was a program in college football, gentlemen, that got more out of less than TCU did. They made it to the national championship game with a four-year average recruiting ranking of 48. Now think about that for a minute. That, that, that largely opens the door for everybody, and Garrett Riley was a huge part of that. Now what he's going to do is he's going to spread the field. Uh, he is going to use the middle of the field, which is something Brandon Streeter did not do last year. Look for a massive season from Jake Brinningstool. And look for these, this much maligned wide receiving core to really get on track and potentially for Clemson to have its first 1,000-yard receiver in three years. Mark, it's great that you brought up the receiving core because I feel like Antonio Williams, in my opinion, is more of a two than a one, even though I do like him. Bo Collins has flashed, but he can't stay healthy. We'll see what Adam Randall and some of the others bring to the table. But which group do you trust more to be more of an integral part of this offense? Is it this receiving core and them stepping up, or is it the run game that they have with Will Shipley and Phil Maffa? Yeah, they've got the thunder and lightning combo there, Wes, indeed, between those two. And I think when you've got a young quarterback and a new offense, what do you lean on? You lean on what makes you comfortable, right? And that is going to be the running game. Now, 
Uh, I do expect it to be balanced. I expect as the season to go along for you to see more explosive plays in the passing game, more downfield passing. But especially first part of the year, new system, you're going to lean on Will Shipley and Phil Moff. But for my money, guys, in terms of running back tandem, the number one tandem in America. Mark Ryan joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline, Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, continuing Clemson Team Week. And Mark, you brought up Jake Brenningstool, a guy that could have a big year. What are some other names that people aren't talking enough about? Yeah, I'll tell you what. Uh, Adam Randall is certainly one of them on, on that side of the ball. And I'll tell you, they're really excited about a freshman, Noble Johnson, who has turned some heads with his speed here early early in camp. Look, you got Bo Collins, Antonio Williams, Adam Randall. Wes, I heard you mention, you know, Antonio Williams could be more of a two. They'd like to use him in a Percy Harvin type of role, right? Um, so, you know, a Debo Samuel, Percy Harvin type of role. That type of role typically doesn't produce a thousand yards receiving, but it might get you three or four hundred yards rushing as well. So again, it's, it's who is going to be the number one wide receiver, and I think that position, guys, is very, very much open. You know, but they, they really like some of the young freshman wide receivers on that team. Uh, and Noble Johnson is a guy that has turned serious heads here in camp. Mark, and then when we turn over to the defensive side of the ball, when you look at the stats last year, Miles Murphy led the Clemson edge guys with six and a half sacks. And this is a group that we know has a rich defensive line tradition, but the pass rushers haven't been as dominant as some in recent uh, memory. And so when you look at guys like a Justin Mascall or Xavier Thomas, who still has yet to uh, cash in on the potential that many thought he had when he was a freshman, how important is this front four going to be? Because the back seven looks great, but do you feel like they're missing something on those edges, especially at the uh, the defensive ends? That They could, but it's going to depend, West, on exactly how healthy Xavier Thomas can stay. As you guys know, he is now a sixth-year senior, and he's a guy that, that came in with all of the fanfare. And it's not that he's been a disappointment. The disappointment is that he can't stay healthy, right? I always say the best ability is availability, and you can't make the club in the tub. Xavier Thomas has got to stay healthy this year because you're right. In terms of that back seven, six of those seven guys are returning starters. The linebacking core featuring Jeremiah Trotter Jr., Barrett Carter, number one in America right now. So how much pressure can that front four create? Tyler Davis, Xavier Thomas. Xavier Thomas' health, to me, gentlemen, might be the key to the entire season. Mark, how does this team compare to the last couple of years? And actually, even just some more of their successful squads, when we see them getting to the college football playoff, because we can see them getting to the ACC championship game, winning the entire thing, but still not getting to the playoff last year. Is this a team that compares closely to some of those other playoff berth squads? Well, Walker, I, I will I will tell you this. There is a real interesting dividing line. I'm a big guy in life in terms of seeing shades of gray, right? There is no, There are no shades of gray with Clemson this year. Either they make the college football playoff or the season was a failure. Just winning the ACC, a conference I affectionately refer to as uh, the All Cupcakes Conference, is not going to be good enough, right? It's not going to be good enough. They're going to have to get back to the college football playoff this year. I am not a huge believer in Florida State. They went 5-3 and three in the ACC last year. I think they're the most overrated team in America. And I think Clemson is far and away the best team um, in this league. 
right? So I, I believe they have what it takes at quarterback in terms of talent, in terms of offensive coordinator, in terms of inventiveness. The big concern here with Clemson is, is Dabo an old-school coach in a new-school era? And is he willing to adapt his ways to win at the highest level in the modern era? Let's be honest, guys. Name, image, and likeness does not benefit a tiny market in a tiny town like Clemson the way it does a Miami. So if you're not going to open the coffers and essentially pay for players, is Dabo willing to use the transfer portal? As you guys know, he's been very reticent to do that. So that is the concern that Clemson fans have right now, that potentially Dabo might rather leave than adapt to the current way of doing things to win at the highest level in college football. You're listening to Mark Ryan from The Fan Upstate. You can follow him on Twitter at Mark Ryan on air. That's Mark with a C. And Mark, when you talk about Will Shipley, he had 1,748 total yards last season, rushed for 15 touchdowns. Do you feel like that he's getting enough credit, and how great can this Garrett Riley offense be for him? Does he have a chance to perhaps show up in New York? I think he absolutely does. And the challenge for Will Shipley, guys, is he's got to go from good to great this year. right? He's been good. He's been very good. He has not been great. He is, We have not had that wow moment with Will Shipley yet that we heard about coming out of coming out of high school. So what do you do? You insert Garrett Riley. Now what you have is a Christian McCaffrey-type back who's going to be utilized in the passing game more as well, not just between the tackles. I think what's going to floor you guys when the season begins is are all the different ways Will Shipley is used, from screens to flat passes to fly paddles, right, to the passing game, to different uses in the running game, to sweeps. Garrett Riley's going to stop at nothing to get the ball in his hands, remembering as well the, the pressure that that takes off of Kate Klubnick. Mark, final thing here, a couple of final things, actually, before we uh, end the interview today. I know you're a Florida grad. We've been talking a lot about the Swamp Kings documentary, both on and off the air. What would you think about it? What were some of your main takeaways? You know, guys, I don't, I don't get why Florida fans can't wrap their heads around this, but Urban Meyer is the best coach in Florida Gator history, and it isn't particularly close. And you could look at any highly achieving program and find warts, and find flaws, and find players that are in trouble, right? Uh, the Georgia Bulldogs, current national champions, they run their life like they're playing the video in Gran Turismo. Okay, so I, 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 I look at that. I remember that area fondly. I feel like, obviously, Tim Tebow was the glue that kept all of that together. And it was one of the most special times in college football history because it's one of the last true mini-dynasties that we had before the landscape of college football change forever mark ryan joining us on the body works plus guest hotline that's mark with a c and 100 the testosterone you can check him out on the fan <laughs> upstate as well follow him on twitter at mark ryan on air we appreciate it mark thanks for the time man hey guys thanks thank mark. You. happy to join you anytime have a great one you can hear wes and walker live and local every weekday afternoon from noon to three sit tight and stay locked because instant replay continues next only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports. This is Instant Replay on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNC. Earlier this afternoon on the Kyle Bailey Show. Somebody asked me earlier in the show as we get set to bring in Luke DeCock. They said, KB, why SMU? 
Well, I'm not going to speak for Jim Phillips, but did you know that that SMU has produced about as many billionaires as the list of other top 20 schools, billionaire producing schools in America? Did you know that it's more expensive to attend SMU than it is to attend Harvard University? Uh, they got a lot of money at SMU, if you didn't know that. And it might be why they're willing to forego, you know, TV payouts, revenue payouts for five years. Let's bring in Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. What do you want to start with, kissing turtles or SMU to the ACC? Definitely not kissing turtles. I, you know, I'll actually say this. I'm, I'm on the record here. I, I, I think Cal and Stanford is a bad idea, and I can explain why the latest proposal is a bad idea okay. again in a second. But I actually think if you're going to add anybody – SMU actually makes a lot more sense. It's a big market. It's a school that, despite its lack of athletic success, is really committed to athletics. Um, their alumni care. Uh, I think, you know, if you're going to start going westward, SMU makes a lot more sense than Cal and Stanford. That said, I, would, I still wouldn't do it. Um, but I actually think that part of it, uh, you know, I think SMU's got some big-time ambitions. I mean, I think another school that kind of fits that bill is South Florida. Um, unfortunately, they just haven't had enough success in football and basketball to kind of make that argument right now. But uh, but SMU, I, I think I, there's some. I think of all the stupid bad ideas we've heard, that's the best bad idea. Okay, no, like I actually agree with that. But let's go to this. I think about two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, when this story first really surfaced, there were about a half dozen ACC schools that were like, "No, uh, uh-uh, won't vote for it." And then a few days ago, it was like four, right? It was Clemson, Florida State, Carolina, and State, NC State. Now it sounds like it's that, like they've got the votes that they needed. Do you have any inside knowledge of or understanding as to you know why these schools um, you know didn't like this idea? How they've come around? Some of the the politicking and the inner workings. Are you hearing anything about that? No, I mean nothing good. Um, you know, everybody's a lot of the people who aren't in that room with the president and in the room with the ads are still very confused as to what the end game is here. Um, and I think that's the biggest problem with all of this. The latest proposal. Um, that's been reported is that, you know, ESPN would, if they added the three schools, ESPN would increase the distribution, you know, so each of those schools would get the same share as everybody else, but those schools would forego those shares. So the other existing ACC schools would essentially split that revenue. But that, that to me, that just sounds like a, a good fellow's bust out. You're just running up the credit uh, and in an attempt to, to squeeze every dime out of it. It sounds like a, a private equity play. It's like what they did to Toys R Us that ended up destroying the company. Um, I, I think that makes sense. If you are looking only at numbers on a balance sheet, and that's all university presidents look at these days, all they care about. If you are looking only at numbers on a balance sheet, well, then you say, well, hey, that does make sense. I, I would say, why stop there? Why not add any school that's willing to forego a media distribution mm-hmm. and add 30 schools and split it up? Why not add... Everybody wanted that. Everybody from App State to Utah State, if that's how the money works. I think when you start looking at it in those sort of through the lens of the absurd, then this starts to make less sense. And the other question is, okay, so you want to do this so you can make more money next year or the year after that or the year after that or whatever. But what's the long-term plan here? What's the end game? And I don't understand how adding those three schools makes the league stronger in the long term. If anything, it makes it more of a league that Florida State's going to want to get out of, which I think is one reason why Florida State, to its credit, voted against it. Uh, the other part of it, you know, you get back to all of this and you, and you say, why are you doing this? What's the point? When you go back to the first expansion, Virginia Tech, um, you know, Boston College, Miami, it was get to 12 teams, 
get to division, upgrade football. Now, Miami didn't exactly deliver, and Virginia Tech delivered for a second, but isn't now. Um, But there was a goal. There was a purpose. There was an intention. Same thing with the second round. We need more markets to get the network. We need to bolster basketball a little bit. Pitt and Syracuse should help with that. Uh, they haven't, but that there was a goal. There was there was a plan. There was an intention. There's no goal. There's no plan. There's no intention here. It's adding schools for the sake of adding schools. It reeks of panic, and it's exactly the kind. Of, it, it, it's it's two a.m. It's the end of the night, and we're deciding whether or not to go to the casino. Is it going to be fun? Is it going to be good tonight? Sure. Are you going to regret it in the morning? <laughs> Very likely. Is this in any way, just your belief or your understanding, in any way to attract or appease Notre Dame? Swarbrick was loud about this. He called it an indictment on you know student athlete, the student athlete model or whatever he said about you know two academic powerhouses being left out in the cold. Is this any way you know another attempt to try to convince Notre Dame that home is where the ACC is? And you're just you're just trolling me now by bringing up Swarbrick. I know. Um, I know. Yeah, no, that's just putting it on a tee. Uh, you know, I mean, we're all looking for Jack Swarbrick in the hot dog suit, trying to look for the guy who did this, right? <laughs> he thinks the ACC should add Cal and Stanford to help the league. You know, it would help the league. Notre Dame. Yes. And then he went on Dan Patrick. I don't know if you if you've seen or you can get the clip of his interview with Dan Patrick yesterday. It's 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 like he's on another planet. Patrick asked him about joining a conference. He acts like there's no existing relationship with the ACC. There's no grant of rights. Notre Dame is gets 100% vote in the ACC. They get 20% of the revenue, and they give absolutely zero craps about the ACC. And honestly, the best thing the ACC could do at this point is kick Notre Dame's other sports out and tell them to go, you know, go fish. Because yes. Notre Dame is not bringing anything to the league right now except trouble. Thank you. I'm not trying to wind you up, but I've been yelling that for years. Like I, I understand it takes a little, you know, courage of conviction and just for someone to stand up and say enough's enough. But isn't that at this point the only thing that should be done is to tell Notre Dame either commit or get the hell out? It's like you've been dating the yeah, same I mean, girl for nine years and you won't propose. Yeah, no, I mean Notre Dame asked for the milk and the ACC gave him the cow. Yeah, and it's it, yeah, it's it's the girl who's never going to date you, right? You're she's always calling you for a ride or the guy, whatever. I mean, it doesn't have to be a girl. You know, they're always it's the hot person and they're always calling you for a ride when they need a ride or borrow five bucks. But they're never going to date you, and that's 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 what we're getting with Notre Dame here. And Swarbrick's comments to Patrick were just so far out of bounds. I mean, he was acting like Notre Dame doesn't have anything to do with the league. His president was on the search committee that hired Jim Phillips. Yep. Like you are in there pulling the strings, and then you're asking, like, well, you know, if we were going to join a conference, we'd have to look very seriously at the Big Ten. No, you use paper. If you're going to join a conference for now, this could change. It has to be the ACC. And that, the other part of that, Kyle, is why I think the ACC acting now is very precipitous. Everything you hear, and we've talked about this, everything you hear is that the television rights market is only going to get worse. I think the deal that Notre Dame is going to get offered by NBC when this deal is up in two years, they're in that window now. I think Notre Dame is not going to like it very much. I think Notre Dame at that point may decide ABC and ESPN are a better deal than being on Peacock or, or USA or Lifetime or wherever they're going to put uh, Bravo, wherever NBC is going to shove Notre Dame football so they can make a big deal out of their new Big Ten deal. Um, especially if ESPN you know, ends up getting spun off to NBC. NBC suddenly isn't going to care uh, as a half-partner in ESPN about Notre Dame anymore. So I think Notre Dame is actually in a very dangerous position, and maybe this is all just 
you know, a big bluff by Swarbrick to cover those tracks on his way out the door. But I would wait out Notre Dame because I think Notre Dame is going to be in the same position they were during COVID where they're going to come to the ACC asking for help. And maybe this time, the ACC will get something in return for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. we got Luke DeCock, Raleigh News and Observer, longtime sports columnist. He's with us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's so interesting just watching all this unfold and you know, still feeling like there, there's nothing but doom at the end of this tunnel because there's really no way out for the ACC. I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly feels like that today. Um, Luke, a couple quick things here. Your, your thoughts on the Panthers going into preseason game number three tomorrow night. It's been quite a week here. Uh, all the wide receivers are hurt. Marquan McCall got cut. Um and I don't know that we like, – people don't feel good about this team right now, Luke. We can call it an, a preseason overreaction and roll our eyes at you know fans being too anxious over games that don't mean anything. But there, there's some real anxiety about the way the offensive lines look through two weeks. And I don't think tomorrow's going to make anybody feel any better. No, and, and that's fine. I mean, obviously, yes, the mood has flipped a lot in about three weeks um, from everybody talking about how the Panthers were going to win the division to people worrying about whether Bryce Jones is going to survive September. <laughs> Um, it's definitely a, that's a, it's the old, I, I may have said this after the first game, but the old newsroom joke about two guys waiting for horse racing results to come in. And one guy says, how'd your horse do? And the other guy goes, he lived. Yeah. I think that's kind of where we are with Bryce young and the beating he's taking. Um, it's yeah, I, 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 I do think it's an overreaction. I don't think it's necessarily an unwarranted reaction. I don't think people are acting or behaving erratically. I think it's a pretty logical way to feel about the way things have gone so far. So I don't, I don't know that it's irrational, but I do think that there's still a lot of water left to go into this bridge. I don't think we've seen much of the playbook yet. Um, you know, I think the, the worrisome things are, are more the little things, the individual things like, you know, I mean, icky has got to be better. I mean, that's just uh, the, the, I mean, the, the, the fact, like the firmness of the earth. Your left tackle, your number one draft, you know, your first round draft from a year ago has to be better. Um, and, you know, obviously there's some, some injuries on the line, things like that. And injuries happen in camp. You're going to work your way through them. They're going to happen on both sides of the ball. So I think the two weeks between ahead of the opener is going to be good timing. And I think we haven't yet seen what they really want to do with this team and especially this offense. I think a lot of it is still under wraps right now. And so, you know, I, I think I'm willing, and people should be willing as well, to take a sort of wait and see attitude with this. There's nothing wrong with, with yeah, I'm not going to say people are hysterical because of the way things have gone. The way things have gone is worrisome. You know, if you, but it's, it is still preseason. It is still a fraction of the, the you know, sort of exposure that you're going to have when the regular season starts. So I, I, would, I would say it's not irrational to be worried, but I also would still take a deep breath at this point. So we, we, we all have our focuses. You and I have our focuses in what we do. You're a columnist of the Triangle. Did I'm a Charlotte radio host. We, there's a lot of overlap, but you know we have our focus, right? But, and we're also still general sports fans. And I'm just curious, Steven Strasburg announced earlier today that he's going to hang it up. Do you remember the coverage, the mania surrounding Steve Strasburg? Like, what do you remember from that? Because... Uh, you know, it, it all came rushing back to me a little while ago. Just yeah. what a massive deal that was. You know, headlining and leading Sports Center seemingly every night or every other night for about twelve months straight. Yeah, I remember the SI profile of him in Vegas and, and kind of the picture that painted. And I mean, I think early career, uh, he's one of those rare people that you talk about as the next big thing. Who, for a little while anyway, was the next big thing and did deliver to a certain degree early on in his career. Um, 
But man, injuries in baseball, they can really do a number on you. I mean, look at Otani now. Oh. Um, you know, one of the great seasons in baseball history maybe maybe done. And it's just like it, it and, and these guys are the there's the the muscles and the tendons and everything is just tuned to such a fine degree that when something goes wrong everything seems to pop. But you know, the Nationals had a, a, a an unbelievable little bit of a window there um, where they were just this incredibly exciting baseball team with these amazing talents, and it all seemed to click for just that second. I guess the lesson there is, one, occasionally some of these guys do live up to the hype, and two, enjoy it while it lasts, because it never does. Mm. It, it, oh. I don't know if you've seen this or not, but Strasburg will continue to be paid $35 million annually through 2026 with about 11.4 deferred each year. He will then receive $26.6 million every year in 27, 28, and 29 in his owed deferred payments. So they're going to keep paying him well into the double-digit millions for like the next six, seven years. It's amazing. Yeah, I mean, he must, he must have the same agent as Bobby Bonilla. Has to. Uh, Luke DeCock, you're the best. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you next week. Yep. You tuned into Instant Replay when the audio was so good, it has to be heard again. Only on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. The exclusive home of the Charlotte Sports Fan.